Hey guys, it's Allie. And this is Lindsay. And welcome back to A Matter of Crime. And today we're going to be picking up where we left off in our last episode and finishing our story about the Native American genocide. So we left off with Andrew Jackson and uh, that's exactly where we're going to pick up. Um, one of the first, basically his entire presidency was all about Native American removal, the whole thing. That was his whole goal the whole time he was in office. So let's put that dude on the twin dollar bill. Yeah, that's fine. Um, one of the first things that he did in office was to pass the Indian Removal Act of eighteen thirty, which allocated funds to uproot what were called the five civilized tribes, and those were Cherokee, Choctaw, Creek, Chickasaw, and Seminole, and they were all in the like southern part of the United States. Yeah, because those are all the ones I've heard of. Yeah, the, all the ones from around here that we know about. Um, so altogether, that totaled about sixty thousand people. And in eighteen thirty-two, uh, the U.S. had its kind of last bit of resistance from the Native people um, in in that part of. Um, the United States, the southern part of the United States. So the native leader, Black Hawk, who I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. Um, if they didn't know it was a person, that's where the name for the, like, the helicopters in the movies Black Hawk Down came from. Yeah, uh, he, I guess they had to admit it was a pretty badass name. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if I could be named something that cool, that would be too. Yeah. But my indigenous name would not be anywhere near that cool. It'd be like, watches Netflix for 17 hours. <laughs> That's my endurance. That's my skill. <laughs> okay, so him and around a thousand men tried to reclaim their native land in Illinois. And one of the militiamen who was recruited to put down this revolt was a young Abraham Lincoln. And he remarked that the only battle that he saw was against mosquitoes. <clears throat> so, as in, it was as easy as, like, killing a mosquito. It's no big deal. For the white people or the Native Americans? For the white people. They were just they were just out there swatting flies. It's fine. That's disgusting. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's why when everybody like praises Lincoln and they're all about like, oh, he's the cool like he's the best president or whatever. Like I don't I don't buy that shit. Do you know and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, at some point, but when the Civil War broke out, um, he uh said if he has to legalize slavery everywhere or if he has to banish slavery everywhere to keep the union together he'll do whatever he has to do so he didn't actually care about ending slavery the only thing he cared about was about the way that the union looked to the rest of the world yeah because it really hadn't been that long since the revolutionary war and they didn't want to look like weak yeah for sure because they were like this was their first kind of oh, the world is watching, like, what are we going to do, you know? And like you said, the Revolutionary War, I mean, that would leave it open for other people to try to come back and... That Claim was, parts of the land yeah. for other countries. Exactly. Um, so, the Midwestern Rebellion was under control, and Jefferson started looking at the South, where a lot of the natives still held their territory. So, this land was more valuable to the Southern elite, which is what Jefferson was all about. Um, as slaveholding territory. So, you've got all this farmland that these Native people are just living on. Like, excuse me, we need that. Yeah. To, like, make money off of. Thank you. Um, 
so naturally they had to have the land. Um, and in direct opposition to his previous claim that these five tribes would be assimilated and therefore civilized, Jefferson implored Congress uh, frequently using the word savage to describe the natives. That was just him being a douche and yeah. being like... Sorry, that's my dog. Yeah, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear the dog in the background, and that's fine because she's precious. She's real ugly, but real sweet. Hey, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel that, girl. I feel you. In two landmark Supreme Court cases, uh, the Cherokee Nation versus Georgia and Johnson versus McIntosh, I think is how you say that. It's spelled a little bit different. Um, the United States ruled that the natives had on, had only the right to occupy the land, not own it, and that they were wards of the country. So, like, they can live there, but we own them now. Yes. Not own them, but basically we're, like, their caretakers, and they don't actually, like, a ward, like, if your sister died or whatever and you took in her kid, then that would be, like, your ward Back in the day, you know, yeah. they didn't do like adoptions like they do now. But when the emancipation happened and all of the enslaved people left the plantations, the plantation owners were like, the fuck do we do now? The plantation elite, whenever the enslaved were freed and taken away from them, the enslaved people were then just like turned out into the world with no jobs, no money, no clothes, no food, nothing. And they were never given that, you know, 40 acres and a mule situation. No. So, they were basically forced to go back and work for the people that had enslaved them. And they were supposed to pay them, but of course they found ways around that. Oh, yeah. Like, they'd be like, oh, you broke this machinery, so that's coming out of your pay or whatever. Yeah, the crops didn't do well, and that's your fault. Yeah, exactly. It's got to come out of your pay. Yes, we live in, like, a poor area. Yes. But we're still wealthy compared to... Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we just got completely off topic because we started talking about slavery, but... Yeah. I mean, it is is related. I fully believe that you can't understand the struggles of indigenous people in this country without understanding the struggles of black people in this country they are completely intertwined oh yeah and people try to separate them a lot and that's just the them trying to separate you know if these two groups united and work together the white people in power here will be screwed like oh yeah because i mean but as long as you tell them that there's a division that they don't have anything in common then yeah it's like a mental yeah game not yeah. An actual physical difference. Exactly. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna get back. To rewind. Go rewind. Back to go back. Going. Okay. So after um, a group of Cherokee refused to give their lands over to Martin Van Buren, which was Jackson's successor, because he's gonna naturally carry on what where Jackson left off, they were forcibly removed, and eighteen thousand men, women, and children were herded west along what is now known as the Trail of Tears, and that was just the Cherokee numbers. Oh yeah, because I mean, we're taught this in school, but it's like they were they were moved into a reservation on the other side of the country, and it, the only thing I can relate it to is, uh, you know, you've heard of back a long time ago. They would say. One ounce, one drop of mm-hmm. black blood mm-hmm. made you black. Yeah. 
I guess that's kind of the same mentality is yeah except I mean it is but I was actually watching um a TikTok last night and TikTok has a lot of really good indigenous creators and native creators um but I was watching one last night and they made a really good point they were like we are the only people that have to prove our bloodline Oh, yeah. Like, we're the only people in the world. Like, it is. It's one drop of... Like, the one drop rule comes from um, the Dred Scott decision. And, you know, Dred Scott actually made a protest to where he was like, I'm going to ride on this bus. And he looked white. He was what they call white passing. And that he actually had to tell the bus driver that he was black. And then the bus driver, like, called the police and had him arrested. And that he was trying to... Prove a point. Yeah, to get a decision made that would show that he was a citizen. And it actually, like, backfired in his face. Yep, that's where the one-drop rule came from. Yeah, like, it's so dumb. Right. That they have to prove that they're actually Native Americans. Like, yeah. And if you drop below 25%, then you're not considered a Native. Which is almost like the creator said... that. It's almost like they're trying to keep it in the tribe to, like, keep you from intermingling with... Oh, yeah, because yeah. then you don't have your your claim to who you are. Right. And um, he actually said that if uh, two people from two separate tribes, like, have a child and say that they're, you know, the father's full-blooded Cherokee and the mom is full-blooded Choctaw and they have a baby... And you register the baby with one tribe, it can only claim that one tribe. Even though it's both. Yeah, even though it's completely full-blooded, it doesn't care. They only claim that you're only half Native American. But you're two halves. Yeah. That's so dumb. Like, why do we do I that? I know. I don't know. It's all about money is what it comes down to. Because we're mutts. Right. We don't. None of us have. None of us know. Right. We're just white. I'm literally like 17 different things. So, we're the mutts, but we're right. over here judging people. But we're the ones that act like we're better than everybody else. Um, so, after some resistance, which was supported by formerly enslaved black people in Florida, the Seminoles were finally driven out and um, put onto the same trail. But not before they killed around 1,500 American soldiers. Good. Yeah, they got theirs on the way out. They're like, if I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. And they should have. Like, yeah. th- they're in their own home. Hello. Like, don't come into my home. Again. Yeah. And not expect to get your ass whooped. So, a total of 61,000 natives were forcibly removed and um, belonging to each of the five tribes. And an estimated 17,000 died before they reached, reached their destination from disease, hunger, exposure, injury, and dehydration. Well... Obviously, we've we've played Oregon Trail in school. Like all of those things can happen to Native American people too, and those that's people not had, where they're from, right? And those people had like resources, and they still all died trying to get west. Um, one Confederate soldier who was charged with supervising the migration or the forced migration uh, said, "I fought through the Civil War and saw men shot to pieces and slaughtered by the thousands, but the Cherokee removal was the cruelest work I ever knew." That's awful. I know. Like, that seems like that probably bothered him. I mean, I'm sure it had to have bothered him for the rest of his life. Oh, definitely, 100%. Like, I I can't imagine witnessing something like that and then, like, witnessing war and saying that this, this was, was worse. worse. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, much like the indigenous people and the white people, we're gonna move to the west now because it's the final frontier. I don't know. I mean, we have to take all the things. Yeah. We can't just leave some stuff out there. No. We gotta we have all of it. For sure. You can't have um, anything or anything at all and it's all ours. Bye. Thank yeah. you. So, as America began to look westward uh, before the dawn of the Civil War, it couldn't just be happy with what they had now. Um, the southwestern natives became an obstacle to westward expansion and manifest destiny. There were roughly 170,000 indigenous people living in Mexico, which is what basically all of the western United States yeah. used to be, and what used to be Spanish territory. After the Mexican War with Santa Ana ended, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was drafted and ratified, making all Mexican and Spanish inhabitants of the Mexico Session now legal citizens of the United States. All men were therefore allowed to own land and enjoy their liberty. The hundreds of thousands of natives that still inhabited the area were only referred to as savage tribes in the treaty, and they became subject to the supervision of the U.S. Army. As Texas slowly grew into its statehood, it drafted the first state, its first state constitution, which, in addition to uh, providing protection for slavery in the territory, it officially denied natives the rights of citizenship. Then we come to the California Gold Rush, which was a time when the average white American could get super rich for no reason like you could just literally go dig up a hole and if there's gold in it yeah you've made it for sure and natives suffered um even more at the cost of american success so gold seekers overran native lands in california miners and ranchers murdered thousands of indigenous people who were just trying to protect their lands that's what i was just about to ask like First of all, people were already living there. Second of all, they moved more people from somewhere else. And then here we come again, looking for gold in the mountains and the streams. First of all, it was theirs to begin with. And then you, quote unquote, gave it back to them. Right. Like, you can go live up here where nobody wants to live. And then they realize that there's something valuable there. Just kidding. And then they go and, quote unquote, claim it back. Yeah. Like, I'm... I, the hypocrisy. Yes. Like, the the idea that, oh, that's just the dirt and a mountain and a rock. Not, this is their home. This, this is, might be a sacred place for them. This is all they have left. I would assume this is where they worship and have ceremonies and... Yep. I mean, just live their lives. All and you're just going to dig holes in it. You don't want somebody coming into your yard that you pay for. Right. And just digging up holes because they feel like it. Well, I found an artifact in your church, so I'm going to go blow it off the foundation and take the artifact out from under it. Yeah, you and hope there's more. Right. And it's mine now. Thank yep. you. That's essentially what we're doing, but because their quote-unquote churches did not look like ours, or they weren't what we viewed as, like, right, and holy, we didn't care. Yeah, like it we was didn't just... respect it. It was just the ground. If you're white Christian views... The Lord made that. Yeah. So you should be a little more reverent anyway. No. Not when it comes to money. Capitalism rules everything. Yeah. That's apparently what... Like, you could take this direct quotes. In this situation, it's money over religion in this point. Yeah. Money over everything. Yeah. Is there a rapper that said that? I'm sure. So... <laughs> if they didn't, you should take that idea. <laughs> pretty sure I've heard it a couple times. Um... My extensive rap music career. 
I mean, Gerard Way didn't say it, so I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So, the California state officials even paid out millions of dollars in bounties. And this is millions of dollars in the 19th century. So, it's like billions now. Yeah. um, To two private militias who organized against Native tribes. Um, And the thousands of Indigenous children who were orphaned by these actions were captured by the state and sold into slavery. So, by 1860, the Western Native population was reduced to around 30,000. And that is from, again, 170,000. And that's the ones that survived the freaking trip over here. Right. Well, there were already, like, a bunch in the... We're talking about the ones who were already there. Yeah, but then they added more to them. Yeah. Yeah, true. And then it took away even more. Right. And these are just estimations because we really have no real count. Like, nobody, none of the white people were nobody like... Nobody kept up This is that. exactly how many people we just killed and threw on the ground over there. Yeah. And we just dug a trench and tossed them in. Okay, you ready for the Civil War? Yeah. Yeah. Civil War. Yay. So, approximately 28,000 indigenous people served in the Civil War, mostly in the Confederate Army. First of all, I was gonna say, would that be so they might get some of their land back? Yeah, it was. It was probably because I haven't done a lot of research into this, but my thoughts are just that the, the American government was taking all this action against them. The Confederate government had never done anything to them, so they were like, "We're gonna side with the people who are trying to overthrow the American government." Yeah, so that. Right, not that, and and Native Americans did own slaves, and I some of that like like I said, there's never black and white, there's never a good guy and a bad guy, um, but Native Americans did own slaves, but I think a lot of that was their effort to assimilate to white culture. Oh yeah, and to fit in, like it was out of self preservation. I'm not making excuses for it and saying that it was right. But I'm also saying that their right that their um, motives were not the same as the white people. No, like, I mean, why would it be? They, I mean, I assume, you know, inter warfare between tribes, they would take slaves. They did, and it would. But it was not the same. Right. It's not like... They were allowed to marry. I think we talked about this a little bit, like, last time. But they were in in tribal warfare before colonization. They were fighting over land. And the whole thing about the strength and the survival of your tribe was based on numbers. You could have the people to survive. So, any prisoners of war that they took were allowed to join their tribe it wasn't like you're our slave now and you it wasn't like the you know you work for me and you're going to do all the stuff I don't want to do right it wasn't that it was that you get to come live with me now you get to come marry somebody you get they got to hold um you know important stations like they could be leaders or religious leaders or whatever and they could marry they could have kids they could own property I mean it was it was just like they became a part of their society now. Yeah, like, instead of, you lost, let's kill all of you. Right. You lost, we need the numbers. Right. So, let's combine yes. what's left. And, again, not everything is perfect. You know, it's not it's not an ideal situation that, you know, they might have, like, wiped out that 
tribe's like culture, but at the same time, there's nothing in the history of the world that compares to the transatlantic slave trade, oh, like no. in the way that slavery was ide- idealized in that situation. Because at that point, it was all about money, right? And it, it wasn't about survival. survival. No, not at all. It was about money. Okay. We keep getting sidetracked. We're going to have to do a thing about slavery oh, soon. So we can, sure. <laughs> so we can talk about it. Um, so the Cherokee Nation was the most negatively affected of all the Native American tribes during the Civil War. Its population declined from 21,000 to 15,000 by 1865. And despite the federal government's promise to pardon all Cherokee who were involved with the Confederacy, confederacy the entire nation was considered disloyal and their rights were revoked which is crazy because i feel like almost every white person wants to be like i'm three quarters cherokee indian yeah like my great great grandma was a cherokee princess (laughs) shut up like no she wasn't promise show me your papers bro yeah let's go back literally had this argument on facebook the other day like i was like whip your papers out let me see them which is that last point that I just made is is particularly ironic because all of the southern elite uh which were called Dixiecrats um it's a because, stupid name but. right because they were democrats and they lived in Dixie and if you don't know the political party switched in the mid 20th century let's get past that okay don't anybody ever say anything to me about Democrats own slaves. Like, I will lose my absolute shit on you. <laughs> <laughs> and the Republicans were the ones that freed the slaves. Like, kiss my ass. Read a history book. So, the point that I was going to make was that it's ironic that they did not pardon all of the indigenous people that fought for the Confederacy. Because all of the white people who were slave owners that um, Andrew Johnson was initially supposed to, like, punish. Like, he was supposed to, like, bring down punishments on these people. So, all the people that he was supposed to have punished got pardoned by his successor after Johnson was impeached. So... When are we bringing those back? I don't know. Uh, One impeachment, please. Thank you. So... Uh, You mean the second? Oh, whoops. Okay. So the Union Army was divided between its fight with the Confederates and trying to subdue Apache uprisings in the West, Um, which probably honestly had something to do with, you know, why that, like the Confederacy almost won. Almost won. Like they were, they were two battles away from kicking Union ass until like Sherman came in and just started like torching everything. Yeah. Because what's it called? Like the... It was like the fire burning of Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they that was part of the reason why they were probably not doing so well was because they were half over here fighting the indigenous people and half over here fighting the Confederates. And then, um, meanwhile, everything's on fire. Yeah. Like the fine. dog. Like the dog. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> um, insert meme here. Lincoln also took this opportunity to meet with tribal leaders and try to convince them that they are better off farming in an effort to get them to assimilate. We're in the middle of a war that's literally ripping our country apart, but we're going to need you guys to go ahead and start planting some corn. Because we're going to need that. Yeah, exactly. Um, after a Sioux rebellion in Minnesota, there were approximately, they don't have an exact count, but it's anywhere from 450 to 800 white settlers were killed 
by the, by the Sioux. And the Sioux leaders were then tried without rep representation and executed on Lincoln's orders. We're going to try you, but not give you any counsel. No. And you're not... Because you're not a citizen. You're not your European descendants, so you don't know our laws. Right. Which they probably did, but... I mean, not well enough to defend themselves no. in court. Like, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, I've lived here my whole life, and that's all I know, and I still don't think I could defend myself in court. It was probably some kind of mock trial, like, oh, yeah. Just for the sake of doing it, you know. Smile for the cameras. Here's yeah. your oh, judge yeah. and jury. It's on, it's on the front page of the paper. That's yeah. what they needed. For sure. So, Native American communities were totally devastated by the war, by the Civil War. Um, the Trans Mississippi Theater. Uh, saw Native nations decimated. Of the 3,500 Native Americans who fought for the Union, 1,100 were killed, which was an incredibly high rate. Like, that's almost half. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, in, in ratio, like in proportion, it's a huge amount. And um, the Cherokee suffered more losses than any other indigenous tribe in the war. And as a result, they were forced to flee the nation and head towards foreign lands for safety and survival. Around, so, further west or down south? No, like, out of the country. Like, go to Europe and, like, Canada and just, like, get the fuck out. They're like, you can't be here at all. You gotta go. Right. They, like, they were forced to leave or probably get killed because they fought for the Confederacy. A large amount of them did. So, further proving my point, you're not a Cherokee. No. No. The The amount of actual Cherokee people here is probably slim to none. Like, the only Native people that I know are Choctaw. And they live on um, reservations in, like, Arkansas. I didn't even know there were reservations this close east. Like, I just thought they were all, like, west of the Rockies. Yeah, no. it's. I mean, there are some here. And there are some in Florida. Um, they're like around. There's one. Um, they're not the ones that you see on TV for sure. No, 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 no. And, and I don't know that. And I've never been to a Native reservation. So I don't even know what they look like. I mean, all that we see on TV could just be like propaganda, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. They, because they all look the same. They right. all, like, even when they're being, I guess, positively represented, mm -hmm. it's still not a very positive no. light no and then reservations are all terribly impoverished and you know under rep i mean they're not represented at all but like they're like under cared for in every way you oh, know they yeah. have none of the government protections because they don't pay taxes so. right which is yeah horse shit right well not that they don't pay taxes they probably shouldn't have to pay taxes because this this is their but they should be given all of the governmental protections and welfare they're US, programs. They're and, U.S. citizens now. Like, yeah. if they wanted to sign up for the military, they can. Yeah. If they wanted to do any job off the reservation, they can. Mm -hmm. So, just like anyone else, they should get the same, Yep. I guess, treatment as everyone else. Yeah. I agree. Around... 22% of the Cherokee Nation perished during the war. Uh, many children were affected psychologically as they watched their family members get brutally killed or die of absolutely horrible conditions. And among the Cherokee, about 35% of adult females were left as widows and a large percentage 
of children became orphans. So besides the enormous death toll, a huge amount of land was lost and the crops and livestock that were once grown were completely gone. And many who survived were considered homeless refugees. Well, yeah, because the women are home taking care of the home and they're killing all the men. So the men are not able to go out and do the outside of the homework. So that leaves the women having to do both jobs. Mm -hmm. And there's no way. No. Not Especially in that situation. Not in the 1800s. No. Mm -hmm. Because, like, how long would it take you to make food? Like, hours. Yeah. Like, you have to make a fire. You have to yeah. do all this stuff. Like, there's no, there's no way. There's not enough time in the day. And let's not forget that any soldier who came across your land was more than welcome to just shack up and take your stuff and yeah claim it exactly like it's his take now. you and take your kids and do whatever they wanted um so after the civil war comes reconstruction for the country and reconstruction for the country has its issues but reconstruction for the natives was worse the, we're going to start with the Battle of Little Bighorn uh which a lot of people probably know was led by Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse and it was an infamous native victory where General Custer and his 250 men were all defeated and killed by the natives. And these people were just trying to defend their lands in the Dakota Territory, which were granted to them in an 1868 treaty that was supposed to last, quote, as long as the grass will grow, unquote. So, they, the white people had no right to be there no. at all. But we're going to take it anyways. Um, that's pretty much par for the course for this entire story. This, let's just stop now. The entire lesson of the podcast is the white people had no right, but they did it anyways. Yes. Yes. Um, so, the end of podcast. We're done. Yeah. Episode <laughs> in, done. We're done. <laughs> Cut. Yeah. Um, in 1871, Congress eliminated the treaty system, which had been traditionally used to make peace with natives in the U.S. So, this was at the request of the railroad companies who found can't ever say railroad rail, say rural. railroad companies who found that native occupation of western territories was in the way of their expansion so again yes we're gonna move you all over here mm -hmm. say these are your lands now but now they're in our way so we need you to move again right Again. Get out of the way. Exactly. So, in like I said, in 1781, they abolished the treaty system. So, that basically made all of the treaties that we had previously made with the natives null and void. Not that we ever respected them anyways. We're just over here manifesting our destiny yeah. all over the place. Yeah, just <laughs> all over it. Can you do that in the privacy of your own home, sir? Yes. That just did not sound bliss. <laughs> it's probably as pleasant as it actually was. Oh my god, somebody put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Manifesting our destiny all over the place. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a quality merge <laughs> idea. Quote. So, the Bureau of Indian Affairs then established boarding schools, which are the infamous um, boarding school, like the infamous native boarding schools, where the children were removed from the, quote, negative influence of their parents and were assimilated into white culture. Oh, Somebody try to take my kid out of my house. Right. Somebody come in here and try to take my kid out yeah, of my house. Yeah, it was either that or they're going to kill you. So well, I'd be dead because I'm... And they're going to take your kid away and they're going to cut their hair and they're going to 
make them like literally white and dress them in white clothing, beat the language out of them, beat the religion out of them, beat the culture out of them until they're and send them back to you all like John Smithified. That's disgusting. Yeah. Okay. I have a little boy and he does have uh, short hair. I keep it uh, short right now because it's easier for him to manage. He's six. And if someone just cut his hair. Yeah. Without my permission. Oh, my mom did that to my kid one time. I about lost my shit. I would, I would, I would, I would probably cut you. Yeah. Also, I'm a hairstylist. So yeah, don't. she's a hairdresser. Don't fuck with our kid's hair. Yeah, don't touch it. It's my job. I'm not a hairstylist, and I still don't want people touching my kid's hair. Yeah, like, but don't touch. Like no. I, my three year old, she's only had her baby hair trimmed so that it would grow one time. Yeah. I can't, I can't even explain the rage if you tried to cut her hair. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear that story about the, um, the like, little black girl and she went to daycare or whatever and she had her hair, I think it was, like, in braids or, like, twists or something. And they said that it was, like, nasty or dirty, so they shaved her head. Oh, my God. I would murder someone. Oh, I know. There's like, that's a hate, that's a fucking hate crime. Yeah. You're like, not going to convince me otherwise. No, like... That's exactly what that is. Some white woman who couldn't handle, like, ethnic hair decides that it's gross, so she's going to shave it. Fuck you. Okay, even if you're it gonna is messed up. Them. Even if her hair gets messed up from playing or whatever. Yeah, that's not your job to fix No, it. leave it alone. She's a kid. She doesn't care. Yeah, this is a few years ago, but I just remember reading that. Oh, and I was God, like, I, I would lose it. would kill someone. I'm going to take that now. Over time. Yep. Just that belongs to me now. The whole ass country. Yeah. So, and that does take into account, like, the minuscule amount of land that they actually have access to today, you know? Yeah. It's nothing. Um, Many treaties in the 19th century offered citizenship to the natives contingent upon their assimilation. However, in another series of Supreme Court rulings, it was decided that the protections offered to freed black people and, quote, all men in the 14th and 15th Amendments did not apply to indigenous people. They want your land. They want your, technically, your bodies. Yeah. But you don't count. Right. They want you to look like us and act like us and be like us, but you're still not going to count no matter what you do. It's not going to be good enough. Yeah, you're still not us. Exactly. So, um... Even though I have problems, again, with the Reconstruction Amendments 13, 14, and 15, and the language that they used in there, and, and the fact that it never truly applied to, like, all black people, it specifically excluded indigenous people. And these amendments are still in our Constitution. And probably being enforced. Yeah. There's still amendments to the Constitution that, while they supposedly granted rights to this group of marginalized people simultaneously took them away from another group of marginalized people. It wouldn't be until 1924, 1924, not even 100 years ago, that all natives were considered officially citizens of the United States. So, in my grandmother's lifetime, yes, my grandma was born in 1935, so 10 years before she was born. My grandmother was adopted, so her records aren't Mm -hmm. as clear yeah so but yeah i have definitely. to do math but i'm pretty sure it was either with it was in within 10 years before during or after she was born because mm -hmm. your mom was born when 1944 yeah 
It definitely happened within your grandma's lifetime. I would think so because my grandmother was like in her 20s when my mom was born. Yeah. So this next section is called uh, Ghost Dance and Wounded Knee. This next section in my notes. And uh, you probably heard of Wounded Knee. Yeah. But you probably haven't heard of Ghost Dance. Not at all. Okay. So in the late 1890s, the late later part of 1890, some natives sought solace in what was called the ghost dance movement, which was an indigenous spiritual movement meant to revitalize their native religious practices. And the leaders of this movement told of a day when white men would leave their land, the buffalo would return, and the natives would freely resume their ancestral customs. Hundreds of natives gathered for many days of celebration, singing, dancing, and religious ceremony. Well, the government viewed this as a possible threat or insurrection, and so they sent U.S. troops to the reservations. Soldiers opened fire on the natives, killing approximately 200 people, mostly women and children, as they camped in the South Dakota wilderness. And this would become known as the Wounded Knee Massacre. And Wounded Knee was widely celebrated in the press, and 20 soldiers from the slaughter were awarded a Medal of Honor. God forbid that they celebrate their own religion peacefully out of our way. In our country that's quote-unquote settled on religious freedoms. Yeah. Show me where. Exactly. Well, I'm waiting. It's only religious freedom if your religion is the same as mine. Yes. 1,000 million percent that. So, ghost, you know, we we hear about wounded knee. And and I've always heard it called the battle at Wounded Knee. Yes. Or I've never heard it called the Wounded Knee Massacre, like as in my traditional historical education. Um, but they never told us why. And they never told us what led up to that. No, so, not at all. They were just like, there was this battle. Yeah. It happened. And that was it. Right. So now we know. And what's that whole bury my heart at Wounded Knee? What's that? I, I need no to know. idea. Maybe it's, it's like from a song. I'll look it up. So, so we're going to move on to World War One and World War Two, And um, basically, the takeaway from this whole section is that there have been more indigenous people, like, per capita that have served in the United States Army across all of our wars. They've been involved in every single one of our wars than anybody else, like, as in. So more than 12,000 American natives served in the war and generally as scouts snipers and cold talk code talkers those who didn't serve in combat helped the war effort just as much as other americans did by growing victory gardens hosting fundraisers buying war bonds and becoming american red cross volunteers while a large number of Native Americans were drafted into the Great War, which is what World War I was called, most volunteered partly in hopes that their service would encourage the government to grant them full citizenship. Their roles in World War I were problematic nonetheless. They would be given scouting, night watch, and patrol positions because it was felt that they would be more comfortable in those positions. Because so, it's like a stereotype, like... Oh, they're really good at like sneaking around or like being outside or whatever, you know, being in the wilderness and give them the shitty jobs that are in the at night that nobody right. wants. Exactly. Stereotypes were also applied to those who contributed to the war effort on the home front. One picture in a World War One museum in California is of a ninety year old indigenous woman 
that is captioned squaws who have forsaken their savagery and are working for the cause of democracy. So we'll accept your help, but you're still not a person. During both wars, but more prevalently in World War II, natives were used as code talkers. Really? He, he found you. My cat loves Allie. Come here. I have a cat in my lap now. <laughs> so, their indigenous languages were impossible for German intelligence to decipher, which is especially ironic considering all the time and effort that the U.S. government had spent <clears throat> trying to get them to forget their languages. Sorry, I'm not laughing at what she said. I'm laughing at my cat licking her ear right now. Yeah, we have, look, we have pets in our podcast. <laughs> Deal with it, okay? It was, I don't trust people who don't own pets. Yeah. It freaks me out. It was specifically Navajo called code talkers who helped us win major victories in World War II. Even up to and including the current war in Afghanistan, indigenous soldiers have served at largely disproportionate rates in every major war. Today, there are about 31,000 American natives and Alaskan native men and women classified as active duty in the U.S. military, along with 140,000 living as veterans. Like, that just blows my mind. Yeah. They were willing to die for the country that they weren't even allowed to be a part of. Because honestly, I'm kind of salty. I wouldn't do it. No, me either. I'd be like... I hold a grudge. I will hold a grudge forever. Yeah, like... This is how we die now. We right. die mad over here. Right. Natives and the New Deal. The New Deal was marked as the most radical shift in Native relations in the U.S. government. John Collier, the commissioner of the what's called the Indian Affairs Bureau, passed the Indian New Deal in the early 1930s. This, along with the Indian Reorganization Act, gave Natives back their rights to culture, express their own heritage, and their own land, essentially undoing the Dawes Act from 1887. However, all this did was essentially remove government supervision from Native lands, which means they did not benefit from any of the social programs of the New Deal and that their lands and people grew more impoverished by the year. Because the New Deal was part of the Great Depression, correct? Yes. Obviously, if the whole entire country is going through depression, mm-hmm. but then their social programs are help certain groups and then they're not helping the other right how are they going to get a leg up yeah they're not that's the whole point so um this was initially looked at as like a good thing right so they're like we have the right to now practice whatever we want to practice and everything's great and we can do what we want right until uh truman and eisenhower take office of course. Yeah, so uh, Truman and Eisenhower had two of the most vicious campaigns, like, in modern day uh, against indigenous people. Uh, Truman's presidency marked the end of the, quote, Indian New Deal and the beginning of Native Termination, a series of policies that sought once again to assimilate Natives. Uh, build as vehicles to integrate Natives into the, wilder, into the wider nation and protect them from racial discrimination in the post-World War II era. Termination policies dismantled trust relationships, relocated Natives, and to urban centers and stripped the tribes of the land and their sovereignty. So they pushed them out of the 
few places that they gave them left. Yes, and they made them, like, integrate into the cities, despite the fact that that, like, directly... Went against everything that they had just... Right, and also, living in in an urban environment prevents you from practicing things that require nature. Correct. Truman supported termination because he saw it as a way to protect equal rights and improve Native lives through full participation as citizens, but it also lightened the economic burden that Native services placed on the federal government. Within the first decade of the termination era, policies that Truman supported terminated more than 100 tribes, severing their trust relationships with the federal government. Termination defined federal Indian policy for the next 25 years and forever altered the dynamics between the tribes and the federal, federal government. In 1949, the Office of Indian Affairs changed its name to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and the following year, Truman appointed Dylan Meyer as commissioner. Meyer introduced the Urban Relocation Program, encouraging natives to leave their reservations and seek education or work in the cities far from home. So this was just another way to erase their culture. Yeah, but we're, we're going to make them just like us. Exactly, but we still don't want you. I'm so confused. Pick a side. Yeah, it's like um, a toxic partner. Yeah. Like, I don't want you, but no one else can have you. It's triggering for me. Yeah, well, the look on your face was so (laughs) disgusted. I was like, like, uh. Okay. But that's really what happened, though. No, I know. Like, that's exactly what it was. We don't want you, but no one else can have you. During his tenure in office, Eisenhower enacted three assimilation programs that dramatically changed the federal government's relationship with natives. Um, He terminated tribal sovereignty, relocated natives to urban areas, and transferred federal law enforcement jurisdiction on native reservation to the states. Can we backtrack for a second? Mm -hmm. There was a big push for assimilation with white passing children being adopted into white families. Yeah. I don't know if they were just, like, taken or if they were orphans, but, like, the government would come in and take, like, white passing children Mm -hmm. and adopt them out to white families. That's not happening now. Yeah. Whoops. The period I was talking about was the Great Depression. The Great Depression era of the 30s. Yeah, that's why I was thinking it's probably due to circumstance because Mm -hmm. the whole country was... Yeah. So, um, basically, Truman started the termination program, and Eisenhower just picked up where he left off and kind of finished everything off. Um, Termination called for an end to uh, tribal sovereignty as well as reservations, which would be divided into private ownership. It also called for abolishment of all Bureau of Indian Affairs offices and an extermination of existing legislation and treaties to determine the most efficient way to terminate federal responsibility for tribes. So at this point, they're just trying to wash their hands of them. We don't want anything to do with you. We're not going to take care of you. We're not going to support you. We're not going to protect you. You're done. So the next 20 years, the federal government terminated 109 tribes um, despite growing opposition from groups like the National Congress of American Indians. Like, I've never even heard of some of these groups. Mm -mm. Like, they're not talked about at all. Mm -mm. We don't talk about Native Americans in in American history. Well, no, because clearly. Yeah. Why would we? 
They're not part of us. They're no. not Americans. They're different. But everybody wants to be an Indian princess for Halloween. If I see one motherfucker dressed as Pocahontas this Halloween, I'm whipping somebody's ass. I swear to God. Just start snatching feathers. Yeah. Just like, what do you think you're doing? So, in, that was really aggressive, and I'm sorry. Um, in <laughs> the, and we're moving on to the 1960s. Uh, the 1960s are known for... Like, flower children, like, peace and love and include inclusion and, like... Civil rights movements. Yeah, and, like, including yeah. everyone. Right, but what did we not include in our studies about the 1960s? There was no mention of Native Americans. No, because they didn't do anything? No, yes, I no. doubt that. Um, so, the 1960s saw a rise in civil rights activism, women's rights, and um, LGBTQ activists. Yeah, it was just called gay rights for the most part. Um, and we rarely hear about Native American activism in the 60s. So, the Truman and Eisenhower administrations, like we just talked about, had pretty much dismantled what was left of Native sovereignty. However, this was abandoned by President Kennedy, who came after Eisenhower. Um, in 68, the Native, the Ameri- it was called the American Indian Movement, was founded and began to stage protests demanding tribal restoration, economic reform, and the ability to self-govern. They occupied Alcatraz, the island and the home of that famous prison, for two years, claiming that it had been stolen from its original inhabitants. This protest launched the Red Power Movement, which was an unprecedented surge in Native pride, which I actually thought was pretty cool because they are, like, taking back that, you know, the Red Man kind of thing. Yeah. And this surge resulted in Indigenous lawsuits over land claims, demanding reparations, and a new sense of self-respect. The amount of people who were willing to identify as Native doubled between 1970 and 1990. It became the cool thing, like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. XYZ. This is where it started. Yeah. I'm part I'm part Indian. I'm part Cherokee. I'm part Choctaw. Like, shut the fuck. Shut no, the you're, fuck not. Up. You're, no you're not. You white. Um, so that's kind of the end of my that that brings us up to like modern day, pretty yeah. much. You know, that it, that's kind of the end of where my historical notes um stop, but Upon research, you know, there's there are a lot of things going on today that are going to be in the history books. Oh, yeah, for sure. That are kind of pushed to the back burner of, you know, modern news. But, you know, we have the Dakota Access Pipeline struggle that's been going on for four years now. Yeah, like it was big news for a while and then elections happened and then yep. current events. Right, we're overshadowed that. Yeah, we're supposed to be granting these people indigenous, you know, rights, and they're supposed to have some of their self-respect and dignity back. And we're literally spraying them with fire hoses and macing them and arresting them for protesting to keep their own land from being destroyed by oil pipelines. Right, like at this point, it's again the same situation of. You don't practice our religion. Your religion doesn't look like our religion. So, in this case, mm-hmm. money over religion. Always. Exactly. Like, it's not like... Unless you're white and Christian. It's a pacifier. Like, when you give out these little, like, pacifiers along the way to hopefully, like, quell any kind of insurrection. But then the second that we need 
whatever we gave them, oh, it was ours. Just kidding. We're taking it back. Everybody wants to claim native heritage. Nobody wants to claim native struggle. Right. They want all the positives, like the beauty, the yeah, the exoticness. They want the the I'm different. Mm-hmm. I'm not like other white people. Yeah, whatever. And I then swear. go through and, but we need that gasoline. So let's just yep. ruin all of your everything. Also, there is the issue with the giant telescope that they're trying to build in Mauna Kea. Yes. And it in Hawaii, and that is a sacred indigenous Hawaiian area. And scientists are trying to build a giant telescope, an observatory to look at. Use one of your other giant telescopes, please. Or build them somewhere else. Right. They just, there's literally, they want to build on top of this like giant mountain. I think I read that it's supposed to be the darkest place on earth so you can supposedly see farther into space from there i bet if you sailed a boat out into the middle of the pacific there's a darker place and went and fucked yourself out there (laughs) you can can find somewhere darker i promise you Ugh, yeah they say that i was actually looking up uh, mauna kea and i'm so sorry if i'm pronouncing that wrong i looked it up but i could still be saying it wrong and um, indigenous Hawaiian people say that it is a living entity and that it gives their people life. So it's literally like you're trying to take their lifeblood from them. Yes. Like that's what they view as they're like a spiritual entity for them and you're trying to build a freaking telescope on it. Like that's so disrespectful. Like, <clears throat> like just think about right if you go to if you go to a church you would be very offended mm-hmm. if you went if this was your church and that was you know you felt spiritually spiritually connected to not only the building but the land and the mm-hmm. people that go there and then somebody's like fuck that church yeah like that would offend you and we, that's just words like just think if they were planning to like take the whole church down dismantle it right Build a dome over it and shove a telescope in it. Yeah, like that would be so offensive. So why is it okay to do it somewhere, like to this other group of people? It's not, it's not okay. You know, I think the ultimate takeaway from all this is that it's absolutely disgusting what the American people have put indigenous people through. And we haven't stopped and we still haven't gotten enough of it. And it's, it's just going to keep going until somebody stops us or until we've completely wiped them out. I mean, that's the only way that we're ever going to stop, I believe. There's not going to be anything left. Yeah. I mean, we have um, Mount Rushmore, which was built on a sacred native land. Let's just um, put some white dudes up there. Let's yeah. Because they're carve, so attractive. Carve some old white dudes into a mountain. That's America. No, thank you. Like, I couldn't even tell you who was up there. Who's up there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. See, see, look. But the point, and I'm a freaking history major. Hello, and I don't know who's on Mount Rushmore because I don't give a shit. And the, I would appreciate it more with its original mountain face mm-hmm. than with the white dudes. Like, yeah, because it was beautiful before. I'm sure. I have no doubt. It's so funny to me that people go on vacations to go to like the wilderness and like they go to see these, you know, 
tropical paradise or they go to national parks and all these beautiful things but then they're like completely fine with destroying other things that are just as beautiful just because right you might know the Mauna Kea telescope issue from the news because celebrities that are Hawaiian or native Hawaiians have been actively protesting people like Jason Momoa the rock Bruno Mars like that's the only reason I know that it was in the news is because they were seeing the celebrities Mm -hmm. actually taking a stand like it wasn't the actual protest itself it wasn't the telescope being built it was look at these celebrities isn't that fun and that's uh, that's one of the reasons that I had heard about it but I also heard about it from TikTok and like I know that it's kind of silly but honestly they have a lot of indigenous and black and minority and LGBTQ creators that are way more informed than I am about their own issues, obviously. And it's a it's a platform that, due to the For You page, like, you get access, your Interest. specific interests. Yeah. Tia. Hey, guys. I had to jump in really quick because Lindsay and I, uh, when I was going through the editing process, I found that I had lost part of the recording that we did at the very end. Uh, so, this is just me in my bedroom recording this part. So I wanted to mention, and I will put these names in the description, but I wanted to mention some of the indigenous TikTokers that I follow and give you guys a chance to get out there and like watch their profiles, pay attention to what they have to say. Um, and that'll lead you to so many more. Um, these are just a few of the probably two dozen that I follow. Um, so, Mad Moose 62101, Mischick, T-I-A-M-I-S-C-I-H-K. Sorry if I pronounced any of these wrong. Uh, Native Woman Runs, Ashley is God, Desert, N-D-N, like the letters N-D-N, uh, Limit underscore List, but List is spelled L-Y-S-S, uh, and Mango con Chili y Limon. Yeah, I just wanted to mention those because they have amazing content. They're constantly, you know, bringing uh, awareness to indigenous issues. Yeah, like I said, I will also link some books in the description, the book and the website that I got the majority of my uh, information from, and also some other books that I have come across as a historian that I just want to recommend to you if you want to read further or read any micro histories about indigenous culture or indigenous history. I just want to mention that we have a bonus Patreon episode that will be coming out uh, either Monday or Tuesday on Patreon, and it is about the poisoning of Timothy O'Brien. Um, which is a case that Lindsay chose, and she's going to be hosting that episode and going to be telling me all about it. Um, I have heard some other podcasts about it, but I am excited to hear what she has to say. And we're doing that because it is close to Halloween, so we want to throw in something that's Halloween-related. And also, we are thinking of, because as I was going through this podcast and editing it, there were a lot of times where we got, like, rambly and silly and had little, like, random outtakes. And so I think I'm going to include some of our outtakes in Patreon as well. We only have one tier right now because we do, you know, recognize that we are a really new podcast and it's not like we're trying to actually make money at this, 
But, you know, we do want to eventually get some professional sound equipment because right now, you know, we record this on my iPhone and I edit it on Anchor through my computer and to be able to have like some decent microphones so you don't have to hear the lawnmower noise, which I apologize for in the majority of this episode. You don't have to hear our breathing in the background and all that other annoying stuff. You know, I understand that sound quality is important to people. So, um, yeah, our first Patreon tier is just $5. It is called History Buffs. So, if you want to be a history buff and you want to spend $5 a month to get extra uh, monthly bonus episodes and uh, outtakes content and some shout outs and you know if who knows if you're one of our first patreons that would definitely hold a special place in our hearts for later on if this really like takes off and you know we become you know somewhat successful or whatever at it uh yeah so again Thanks, you guys, and we will see you next time. It is only a matter. We will also have our link tree in the description, which has all the links to our Patreon, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, and eventually it will have our website, but it also has our email. Pretty much anywhere where you want to find us uh, and all the different places you can listen to the podcast. Anywhere you want to find us, you will find in that link tree. We, you know, would love for you to come follow us and keep up with case updates, give us case suggestions, um, get involved in podcast episode discussions, everything. So just come be a part of the matter of crime fam.